Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 67, Lila Miklosh, running for City Councilor in Ward 1, recorded on September 9th, 2018. Lila Miklosh, you're running for City Councilor in Ward 1. Welcome to the Public Records, the 155 podcast. Thank you. Firstly, tell us, who is Lila Miklosh? So Lila Miklosh has been a resident of Hamilton since 1982. I was originally from Frobisher Bay, Baffin Island, Northwest Territories, which is now Iqaluit, Baffin Island, Nunavut. I have been a queer feminist labor activist in the city for well over two decades at this point. I'm also a radio broadcaster and broadcast journalist with 101.5 FM The Hawk. I host a radio show there called Center Stage, which is a celebration of musicals from both the stage and screen. But I also talk with theater artists in the area about their projects and I give reviews and I share new Broadway cast albums, although right now my show is on on hiatus while I'm running for election. I'm also a lay chaplain at the First Unitarian Church of Hamilton, and I'm licensed to officiate weddings and funerals and child dedications. I work for the school board as a member of OSSTF D21 OCTU, which is the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation Office Clerical Technical Unit. I have served as chief negotiator. I have also served as the chair of our political action committee, and I represented the OSSTF on the Ontario Federation of Labor's Solidarity and Pride Committee. And here locally in the city, I was a member of the GLBT Advisory Committee to the city. I was chair and part of the organizing committee of Hamilton Pride for over a decade. I sat on the Status of Women Committee. And I'm currently also a member of the board of the Hamilton Independent Media Awards, also known as the Maggie Awards, which we are both winners of. So there we go. We have connections in some other areas there, Joey. And if you want to find out more, you can check out my election website. Why are you running? Well, I moved into the ward middle of July. A friend of mine was running in Ward 3 and asked me to help prepare some PR uh, materials for them because I also have a business called Lila the Publicist, and I also do media relations work for various organizations and people in the community. So I was working on putting together a press release and putting together some social media stuff for their campaign. And in the middle of working on their campaign, they said, did you hear the announcement Aiden made? And I said, what announcement Aiden made? He's withdrawing from the race. He's going to step down to become the new executive director of the legal aid clinic in Niagara Falls. And then the wheels in my head started turning. And I went, so our first out gay counselor is not going to run. And I just moved into Ward 1. And I have been an out queer activist in the city for over two decades now. I think we need to make sure that we still have some queer representation on council. So if there was ever a time for me to run, it was now, and I just had to take the opportunity and do it. Do you live in Ward 1, yes or no? Yes. Does it matter if one lives in the community one seeks to represent? I think it's important for you to be living in the community you're representing because the people in that community feel that you speak for them in a clearer way because you are walking and living in those streets that you are representing. And currently I live in the Strathcona neighborhood in Ward 1. How have you contributed to your community and our city? Well, I think I mentioned some of that at the beginning when we were talking about who I am. But something I've been committed to my entire life is about access and equity 
fairness, workers' rights, all of those things are part of my work ethic and who I am and as a person, and those are the things I've advocated for my entire life. Some people say, how can you be running for politics? And I say, there are times that I feel like I've spent so much time at City Hall, either at council meetings or committee meetings in the gallery, sometimes feel like, I feel like I've already been sitting at City Hall for several years already. But I know a lot of the workings of City Hall because of being an activist and an advocate for a lot of different issues in town, especially related to equity issues as a woman, as a member of the LGBTQ community. Those are two issues I'm very strong advocate for. But all those issues related to access and equity, whether you're a person of color, someone with a disability, all those barriers that don't ensure that people are having a voice and sitting at the table and are part of our democratic process, because I feel that everyone has value and worth and dignity. And I would be advocating for that as your elected official sitting at the council chamber. What are your two priorities for Ward 1 and your two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? Well, for Ward 1, affordable housing is huge because right now, and I'm speaking as, as somebody who doesn't own a home and rents, in the past 10 years, so I went from having a bachelor apartment that was Four twenty-five a month to a house, a little house for five hundred a month to a two-bedroom apartment that was six seventy-five a month to a bedroom plus den that was eight twenty-five a month. Again, all in this downtown core. And right now, I am co-renting a house which is twenty-two hundred a month. And so, just it's gone up exponentially. And when I was looking at housing, good luck finding a one-bedroom apartment in downtown car for under a thousand. You're not going to find it. So a real worry for me right now is Hamilton getting too expensive for Hamiltonians to live here. And are we sending our Hamiltonians away because we're saying you can't afford to live here anymore, which is a big problem. So that's something as a Ward 1 resident, and especially since McMaster University is in Ward 1, and we have students that are looking for housing, and they're definitely looking for affordable housing. That's yet another barrier for a segment of our population for which they don't have unlimited sources of income too. My other big priority for Ward 1 is connected to public transit. I'm not a car driver. I take public transit to get around the city. And I feel that if we're going to have a world-class city, we need to have world-class transit system and we need to have a transit system that is fun and easy to use and accessible for everyone. And so fun and easy to use that even if you were the owner of a vehicle, you would rather get on the HSR to go run your errand and leave your car in the driveway. That's the goal. Citywide issues, there's two that are really big for me that are kind of a hot button topics. One it has to do with police carding. I'd like to see that abolished and I'd like to see that practice stopped because who gets targeted by that? Our most vulnerable citizens, whether it's the homeless are people of color or our indigenous populations. They're the ones that get targeted by police carding. And the other one is to do with safe injection sites. And this, again, has to do with my belief in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And safe injection sites work. They help get people clean. And there are people who want to escape their addictions. And this is a great way and method to make sure that there's a safe way for them to do that. What three skills will you bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? Well, I've already spoken about my experience as a broadcaster, also as a late chaplain, and also as somebody who works as an education worker. So I have a skill set in communications and about community building a capacity and bringing people together. 
whether it's special events organizing, whether it's a rally, whether it's a political cause. I'm someone who strongly believes in finding those commonalities between people and finding ways to bring people together rather than dividing us, finding those things that we have in common. The skill set I would bring to the table is that I'm a very detail-oriented person. And one of the commitments that I have is when I'm going to go sit at city council and vote on a piece of legislation, I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to read that piece of legislation. I'm going to know what I'm voting on. And I'm going to probably have that thing covered in sticky notes and highlighter because I really want to make sure that when I vote on behalf of my Ward 1 citizens, I know what I'm voting on. And I know it's not just in the best interest of Ward 1, but in the best interest of the city and also reflecting the best of who we can be as Hamiltonians. Hamilton zoning regulations prevent the building of multi-unit clustered housing, which is in scale with existing single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. There are approximately 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s and approximately 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. The missing middle is medium-density, transit-connected housing in walkable communities and is important to young renters, first-time owners, and critical for seniors seeking to successfully age in place in the communities they've lived for decades. As a member of City Council, you will need to address housing challenges in Hamilton. You will face opposition to infill development and provincially mandated intensification. How will you respond to concerns about development, and where do you believe mid-density growth should occur in your ward? Well, interesting you should bring up this question because this is something I feel very strongly about, especially walkable neighborhoods. Living in Ward 1, I'm so blessed because I can walk to work, walk to my faith community, walk to the theater, walk to the market. And that leads to a greater quality of life because all of these things are within walking distance. And, and again, especially speaking to sort of laying down some permanent roots and knowing that your quality of life will continue as you get older too. Everything that you just said, strong advocate for. I'm also seeing models of co-housing between young people and seniors as another model to work towards. There's some research going on at Mac, and I was just at a town hall meeting at McMaster University regarding the new student residence, and there is going to be facilities in that or studies directly related to that. So all things I'd advocate for, we need to put some mechanisms in place to ensure that there's affordable housing happening. Right now, it seems to be a free-for-all market of, well, we can make that rental price this because we can. And saying that it's the market price doesn't necessarily mean it's a fair price for actual Hamiltonians living here. And, and one of the, the examples I give to people is not all that long ago in Hamilton, you could be working a full-time minimum wage job, have a roof over your head, have food in your belly, and still have a life. You can't afford to live in Hamilton on a minimum wage job now. And then I imagine friends of mine on ODSP or seniors living on pensions and, again, your wallet gets smaller and smaller and your choices in what you can do with your dollars becomes more and more limited and you shouldn't have to choose between paying the rent or paying the heating bill or paying for the groceries or paying for your water. So this is the reality we're dealing with and as a municipality we need to make sure that there is access to fair and affordable housing for everyone here. Town and gown tensions, a phrase coined by academics, are nearly as old as universities themselves. In one of the most famous examples, a three-day riot in Oxford resulted in 62 students 
and nearly as many townspeople dead in the year 1355. The Scholasticus Day riot broke out after a dispute about beer in a local tavern. Luckily, town and gown conflicts today are much tamer and involve much more substantive issues. As the Ward 1 City Council, you will be responsible for representing both town and gown. How will you effectively represent both and successfully mediate to create solutions which balance both interests? Well, in Ward 1, especially because McMaster University is in Ward 1, we have very specific kind of town and gown issues related to the needs of homeowners who've lived here for quite some time and then students who are here for just the time that they're taking on school. And how do we find a way to peacefully coexist together, but not just peacefully coexist, but have a collaborative relationship where everyone is gaining from each other and learning from each other in, in a way that we look at, at community about, not just about me and my house and I'm paying taxes, but we have an obligation as a community to be all working together. And I've heard some good examples from some Westdale homeowners about looking out for the students who are in that area and helping to take care of them if they've noticed absentee landlords or things are not on the up and up and helping them to understand their rights because they're new at this whole living on their own piece and how do, how do we work together to create respectful spaces together. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? Well, I know area rating is a huge one, and I can speak as a public transit user who works for the school board that there are parts of the city that I cannot get to at all using public transit. So there are people who are cut off from having these arteries to be attached and connected to the community. So probably want to re-examine how that works and how that funding model works. And then the other area is a community, and, and this is something that I really appreciate from uh, Aidan Johnson, who is our outgoing counselor. He's held that position with a lot of honor and dignity and respect. Even as he's leaving council, he's not taking a paycheck while he's got the job out in Niagara. And I want to continue that sense of honor. He, Instead of taking the paycheck, he's making sure that there's two full-time staffers taking care of the Ward 1 office while the election process is going on. So constituents in his area can have people that can help them out with their issues. So I want to make sure that that progressive legacy of the things that Aiden was working on continues and build on it, such as the trans protocol, where we are really looking out for our fellow citizens, no matter who they are, how much money they make, where they live, what they do for a living. Everyone's of value and dignity, and they're all citizens, and they're all part of our community. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? I know that the LRT is a really hot-button topic, and it's polarized our city to the point that we have candidates specifically running on the platform of anti-LRT. And I think reframing that LRT question into we need to create renewable sources of energy and we can't be dependent on fossil fuels forever is part of what that building on the legacy of the LRT is. It's building for the future and building an infrastructure that ensures that our children's children have not just access to public transit, but access to clean air and water, because these are valuable resources in our city. We've noticed through the years that the air quality in Hamilton has been considerably better, and to build on that, because if we don't have clean water, air, dirt, all of that, we can't have a future. The other piece of it is embedding that access and equity lens and that anti-racism lens 
into all the things that we do because often we take it for granted coming from spaces of white privilege because normally on city council, we don't have people of color, we don't have people from diverse communities sitting around that table. Not just representation around the table, but in every single thing that we do, really putting that lens on every piece of legislation, how we operate our business, how we interact with the public, and getting consultation from those parties and really listening to what they have to say to how to make that table that we're sitting at bigger and longer so we're all having a place at it. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked ballots enable voters to choose by prioritizing candidates such as the top three. They, by prioritizing candidates such as the top three, they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? I have been involved with organizations that have had used ranked ballots, and I find, as someone who's very committed to the democratic process, it gives me an opportunity to to say, hey, I really like what you have to say, and I really like what you have to say, and I want to show my support to both of you, and that's a mechanism to do that. The first past the post system, it's a system we all know, we've gotten used to it because we use it in every single election that we have. But it gives you some more diversity of choice, and it also gives that element of making sure that that representation around that table has more of an ability to be there and be part of the process. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? I mentioned this earlier, and and I, I do strongly feel this way. I'm somebody who believes in making connections and finding those commonalities between people because as a Unitarian lay chaplain, yes, I am a woman of faith, but I don't have faith that there's a higher power that's going to save us. I have faith in humanity's ability to come together and find a positive common purpose. And when we put our collective will together towards something positive, we can achieve amazing things together. So it's about finding those connections, working together, and all those people who are running, whether they're incumbents or not, All of us love this city and we're committed to it. And the fact that we put our name on a ballot says to everyone that we're really engaged in civil discourse and in politics in our city. And we have a love for this place we live. So knowing that we all have that connection to start off with, that we love this city and we're uh, committed to making it the best place that we can all live in. That's a starting point to launch off with to make sure that we ensure that it continues to be a great place for everyone. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? We need a city manager who can be a good counterpoint to whoever the mayor is. So the mayor is going to have their best qualities, and then their not as good qualities. So we need someone who's a counterpoint to say, hey, I know you're thinking A, but what about B? And help them have another perspective on things. They also need to have a good understanding of how things work in the city and who are the staff and how do you get things done. So somebody who also has a good touch with getting all the parties together at the city working towards that common goal again. So someone who's a good counterbalance to whoever our elected leader is should be helping that elected leader see the things that they might not see because that's not part of their skill sets and say, here's my skill sets that say, here's something you might have missed. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? Well, this is always the challenge. Like we have big dreams and we need to make them realities. And how do we make those realities come to be? And I guess it's always about making 
tough decisions. Sometimes you really want to make something happen, but it's not going to happen this year. But I think it's about making choices that are investments, not just for the here and now and the immediate, but for the long term. So not Band-Aid solutions, but solutions that have a legacy to them. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council? And what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? So three words for me, if I become your Ward 1 city councillor. Fair, hopeful, and equitable. Three words for city council. Visionary, planning for the future, which is in the same realm and creating a better world for the next generation. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks you wish to share? I'm very excited to be running. This has been, just being part of this process has been amazing. We've got 13 candidates running. Almost half of them are women, which is also really amazing. Lots of great people who care and love this city. So I'm thrilled to be part of this process. But when I become your Ward 1 City Councilor, I promise to make a commitment to look out for every single person who lives in this ward and to bring that ethic of fairness and equity and accessibility that have been part of who I am and what I've been about my entire life. Thank you for joining us. I wish to thank the Hamilton Public Library Central Branch for the use of their sound studio where we recorded this podcast today. This has been Episode 67 of the Public Records, the 155 podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.